0: Well hello everyone and thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you on Mother's Day. When I was asked right at the beginning of the year to speak on Mother's Day our world was a totally different world wasn't it? It's unbelievable for me still to think how much has changed in such a short period of time all over the world for that reason. In a million years would I have not signed up to homeschool my kids but here I am speaking to all homeschooled parents And can i just say we deserve to be celebrated today so happy mother's day to all of you i hope you have an awesome awesome day for those of you who don't know me my name is Vip Karis. i'm a wife i'm a mother of six amazing children my children are between the ages of 12 and 25 so we have three children in middle school and then we have three children that are grown up and i'm also a brand new mother-in-law And I think you get to see a picture here. That's a very recent picture from from the wedding that Alec and Kennedy had at the end of March. And you've probably picked up from my accent already. I'm originally from Germany. And so I was told I get three extra minutes today because it might take you that long to kind of tune into my accent. So thank you for being all patient with that. I want to just share, right at the beginning, a couple of my favorite parent quarantine quotes. That's what I call them. And the first one for sure has been true in my family. Do you go in the refrigerator at school? Uh, No. So use your school stomach. Maybe that's true for some of us adults as well. And then Ed Stetzer, some of you remember him. He spoke at Central just a couple of years ago. He tweeted this. Alexa, please homeschool my kids. Maybe there was somebody else who struggled a little bit with that. And then I have a favorite video as well that I've seen. It's of this cute little British girl. She's about three or four, and her mom tells her about the virus and how that's going to affect their eating habits as a family. She tells her from now on, they cannot go to McDonald's anymore. This is in the UK, and the little girl cries and she's really upset and they cannot go to KFC anymore, and she's even more upset. And she asks mom, what about Chinese takeout? No, it's closed. And the little girl cries even more. And the whole video ends by mom telling her that from now on, she has to eat mom's cooking, and that just about pushes her over the edge. And you know, in some ways, that little girl reminds me a little bit of all of us. It is so easy to get stuck in our own little worlds and miss the bigger picture. You know, us not eating in our favorite restaurants, for many of us, it meant not going on spring break. That's an inconvenience compared to some people who have lost a job. Or for us not necessarily wanting to homeschool our kids, again, it does not compare to those people who got sick or even lost a loved one due to the virus. And so, I think this this whole thing of just being in our own little world, not seeing the bigger picture, That can also be true for us as believers, for us who are in the word of God, who go to church, even church online like today. We can be so stuck in our own little world that we miss the bigger picture of what God wants to say to us. You might have seen the title for this message, Made For More, and I just want to add a phrase to it. Made For More, I was made made for more, made to love Jesus Christ passionately and know about his great love for me made to love Jesus Christ passionately and know about his great love for me. So much of today's message has changed because of a changing world around us, but what has not changed is the scripture that I feel God put on my heart for this message. In Budapest in a museum, there is a painting of a famous Dutch artist, you probably know him, Rembrandt, and he has this painting, and it's on the screen here for you to see, and this is actually a painting of a famous parable that we can um, read about in the New Testament. And so, if you know which parable this is about, parents, impress your kids. Tell them which one it is. Or kids, impress your parents with your knowledge. Or if you're on our online platform, type it in if you know which parable this is. I'll just give you a couple of seconds. So here, Rembrandt actually uses the parable of the hidden treasure, and that's our main scripture. And we wanna turn to that right now. It's Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, and I'm going to read it for us. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and then reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search for fine pearls. When he finds one priceless pearl, He went and sold everything he had and bought it. I want to read it again, this time from the message. God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. The finder is ecstatic, what a find, and proceeds to sell everything he owns to raise money to buy that field. Or God's kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for excellent pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything he has to buy it. So what do we know about the treasure? So the guy that that finds the treasure, he wasn't really looking for anything. But here he is, and he finds that treasure, and he recognizes it for what it is. He recognizes the value of it. And then I love that part, he takes action. He has the courage to take action. I love that when people do it, they recognize something and they have the courage to take action. What about the merchant? He was searching for the pearl. So he already was searching for something more. He knew he was locking something. And again, when he finds the priceless pearl, he sells everything that he has because that's what it takes to get that precious pearl. And I believe that there's some of you watching this morning and you are like that merchant. You are searching. You are, you are aware that you're lacking something and that you think that there's something else. And maybe these last few weeks of uncertainty and much anxiety has maybe encouraged that, just search for more. But then maybe you're more like the guy with the treasure and when you really didn't feel like there was anything missing. And my prayer for you is that as you see the treasure for what it is, that you will turn to it, that you will have the courage to take action, just like we, we saw earlier. You know, we just said pa- a parable. This was a parable. What is a parable anyway? So parables are lessons that use physical things or situations in the material world to explain or mirror principles or situations in the unseen or supernatural world. And if that sounded too complicated, let's just go back to us homeschool parents. We've done this in the last few weeks, haven't we? We've used practical things, physical things, like apples or coins. And through that, we explained abstract things like addition or subtraction to our students. So why have we done that, moms? We've done that so our students would understand better. And that's exactly why Jesus did it too. He wanted us to understand. Did you know that over one-third of all the parables that Jesus used, the kingdom of heaven was the main theme? Over one-third of them. So this was obviously really important to Jesus that we would understand about the kingdom of heaven. And Matthew chapter 13 is a chapter full of parables. There's actually eight parables in this one chapter. And the chapter of the hidden treasure and the fine pearl, which we just heard about, is kind of tucked between two other parables. So it's tucked between the parable of the wheat and the weed, and then the parable of the net. And sadly, we don't have enough time to read them both, and I want to encourage you to read them later, um, when you have more time, just to, to read them. And I want to be honest, they're not my favorite parables because they have some hard truths. At the end of time, at the end of our lives, at the end of my life, God is going to be the judge over what or who in this life has borne true fruit and who hasn't. Tough, right? And yet, what I like about this is, it's not my responsibility to judge that, that's God's responsibility. What's my responsibility? My responsibility is to know that what's growing in my life is the wheat and not the weeds, that I have good fish and not bad fish. And so here in Matthew chapter 13, with the hidden treasure and the fine pearl, the kingdom of heaven is compared to a hidden treasure and to a fine pearl. The kingdom of heaven is worth selling everything for, living wholeheartedly for, giving everything up for. And I think we would all agree, just from hearing it a couple of times, that the person who found the treasure, the person who found the pearl, found the pearl, their lives would be so changed and so different afterwards, wouldn't we? What we read, I just want to remind you, they had joy. There was joy. Now, some of you know that I head up the Celebrate Recovery Ministry at Central Wesleyan Church. My love for recovery and for people in recovery really comes from my own story. As a young teenager, I struggled from a serious eating disorder, which almost killed me. In this difficult, painful season in my life, I started searching for God for the very first time. See, I'd grown up in Germany in a non-Christian home. My parents, we typically would go to church twice a year, Christmas and Easter, but it really didn't have much meaning in our family. I knew very little about the Bible or about the Christian faith. And my anorexia meant twice I had to stay impatient in a facility for many, many months. So the second stay that I had to to go into for many, many months was a new age clinic. And here during that time, away from home, I was told over and over that God lived in me, but more than that, that I was God, and there was a lot of other bizarre teachings. Now, in my heart of hearts, I knew that this couldn't be true. I knew that I wasn't God. But what this caused in me was just a fierce search for God, a search for truth. I would often look at my parents and just look how they lived life. And quite honestly, they were like typical Germans. They lived for a, a good career, a nice house. We had nice vacations, stuff. You know, there's nothing really wrong in that. The only thing that was missing and lacking was just God. There was just no question about God, or he just didn't have any connection with our family. And again, this was very much like most Germans lived their life. But yet in me now, there was this fierce hunger and search for truth for God. And I felt somehow like I couldn't move forward with my life. I couldn't make big decisions like what career I was going to take, what spouse I was going to choose, if I didn't find out whether God existed, whether heaven or hell were real. In this search, I started talking to people from different religions. I talked to Jehovah's Witnesses, to Mormons, I tried new age practices, and I just want to say, I do believe you can never be too young or too old for that matter to ask questions about God. I read um, this quote by C.S. Lewis that I like a lot, and he said there, perhaps you're afraid of becoming so heavenly minded that you are of no earthly good. Relax, you have nothing to worry about. The contrary is true. Some of us become so earthly-minded that we are of no heavenly or earthly good. And so in this spiritual search, like I just said, I started talking to all these different people from different religions. And then at the age of 15, it's a miracle how that happened, but I was invited to spend a summer in Arizona with a family that I'd never met before. They were born-again Christians, and they invited me to attend church with them. And as I attended church with them, I saw the precious pearl. And I say the precious pearl because I was searching already, kind of like that merchant. I was on a search for more. And you know, you would ask me, what made you see the pearl? They took me to church, and there it was. I can't even remember. I can't even put my finger on what it was. Was it people worshipping, and I just knew they worshipped the real God? Was it the words from scripture? I don't know. And I don't know, maybe you have a similar experience, even watching this this morning. Maybe you've just tuned into our worship set, and there was something different. There was something that really hit, like you're coming home. That was my experience. And so for the first time, I, I understood that Jesus is the treasure. I understood the gospel for the first time. Up until, the, up until this point, even with all the searching I'd done, I was okay thinking about God, talking about God, but why Jesus? Who was Jesus? I actually felt that people who talked a lot about Jesus, they were a little freakish, like Jesus freaks, right? But here I understood for the first time that Jesus is God's son. That Jesus came to earth to live a sinless life. That he lived this perfect, sinless life and that his life ended at the cross. I didn't know that. He didn't stay at the cross. He died, he, he rose from the dead, and he conquered sin, he conquered death. Now sin, I understood. I understood that I had sin in my life. He didn't even have to tell me that. Even at the age of 15, I had a lot of broken relationships. I carried a lot of shame and guilt. So I knew that I had a sin problem and that I couldn't fix it. But now I understood for the first time that Jesus could fix it, that he died for my sins but that my part was to turn to him, to accept that gift, to say thank you to him, to start my life with him. And that's where I turned to the treasure, who's Jesus. And can I just say, God has been so faithful in my life. But in these over 30 years of living with that treasure, there's been another parable that's had some truth in my life. And that's the parable of the sower. It's also in Matthew, chapter 13, and I'm going to read it. It's Matthew, chapter 13, verses three to nine. Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and picked them up. Others fell on rocky ground, where there wasn't much soil, and they sprung up quickly, but the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up and, and they were scorched, because they had no root. They withered. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them. Still others fell on good ground, and they produced a crop, some 100, some 60, and some 30 times what was sown. Anyone who has ears should listen. You know what? Over the years, I've been that field also. I've been that field also that didn't have deep roots. That wasn't fertile the tragedy is sometimes the weeds and the weeds they look so much alike. we don't even know the difference the tragedy in my life was that sometimes i thought my soil was perfectly good soil only now to see that really it wasn't i would always look i heard this parable hundreds of times but i always looked at these first three examples of the surface remember he saw he he throws the seed, it falls on the ground, the birds pick him up. It falls on the rocks, there's not deep soil, the sun dries it up. Throws it under the thorns, and they get choked. I used to think this was just about people outside of their faith. But you know I've realized this can be true for each one of us too, and it's been true for me. I grew up in Germany, as I just said, with parents who loved to garden, and my grandparents did too. And my little memory as a child was that they spent every second in the yard. They just loved the thing. And I feel like those genes were not passed on to me. They just missed me somehow. But I have to say, in these last few weeks of being sheltered at home, I've spent more time in my yard than I've ever done in my entire life. And that is not an exaggeration and so have my homeschooled kids. We call it nature and science projects. And yes, sometimes I have to pay them to do that with mom. But you know, there were times when we were outside weeding and somebody would pick something up thinking those were weeds. And when I look a little bit closer, I thought, oh, that probably would have become a nice flower. So sometimes it's really hard to see the difference, right? We think it's weeds, but it would have probably been something nice or the other way around. There have been times, too, when I was outside doing yard work, and I look at some soil. We have a big yard, by the way. (laughs) Um, I would look at the soil, and I think, this is really good, good ground, looks really good. And then when I look a little bit closer, it's actually really hard. There's rocks on it, there's stones on it. It's actually not fertile. And so... I know this much now about gardening, that you have to keep cultivating the ground. You have to keep working on it. You have to be intentional about it. And what's true for my yard, I think it's true for all our spiritual life as well. There's a scripture in Matthew 6, 21. Matthew again, we're all in Matthew today. And it says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where's your heart at this morning? Now, if I ask you this question, you might give me a churchy answer, because we're kind of in church, even church online. You might give me a spiritual answer. But let me explain it this way. This is what I think about when I think about where where our heart is at. What do we think about the most? What are we most passionate about? What's consuming our thoughts and our mind? It could be our own planning. It could be stuff. It could even be our problems, because they can be all-consuming, can't they? Is it the things of God? Is it God himself? Is it the things that are important to God? What's, where's your heart at? Where's your mind at? And as I was thinking about that question from my life, I had to think back at a time in my life, and I was probably around the age of 30. We had three children at the time, and we just moved from London to Hamburg, Germany and even though Hamburg's a big city, we lived outside a little bit in the country, reminds me a lot of Holland here. And my grandmother had just passed away. And because of that death, I inherited some money. And one of my childhood childhood dreams came true. I got to purchase a horse, I got to buy a horse. Her name was A-Lady because she was from a bloodline that had to start with an A, so she had really good blood. She was beautiful. She had a lot of potential. She was young. She needed training. And I was so excited. I remember often, at times, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and my first thought was about the horse, about the training. She was always on my mind. I would spend every possible free time, free moment in the stable. My husband told me each and every day that I smelled like a horse, which, of course, is lovely. But you know what? I wasn't living in sin. I was in church. I was serving in church. I was having my quiet times. I was still a soccer mom. But my heart was consumed with a horse, with the training, with time at the stable. And, you know, slowly over time, I recognized that something that had started like a gift and a blessing had turned into almost like a stronghold in my life. And the joy that I used to have, being in the Word of God and with other things, just wasn't there anymore. The peace wasn't there anymore. And I missed it. And I grieved it. And I I made the decision that I needed to sell the horse. And I remember as I sold her, I felt like I was just saying, have her back. I really want to cultivate my heart. I want to cultivate the things of you. And you know, I would lie to say it wasn't hard in the beginning. It was hard because I actually felt I needed to turn away completely from the horse world, and I did, and I have ever since. But what came back over time was just that joy that I used to know and that peace of doing the right thing. And I just want to say this. The application of me sharing this is not that we can't have good things, that God doesn't give us good things or we have to give them back or those kinds. That's not the application of me sharing this. I'm sharing this just to say something that started like a blessing, like a joy, had turned into a stronghold for me, had turned into an obsession, had taken over my heart, and had become kind of unhealthy. And so anything can become that thing. And so I recognized I needed to cultivate my spiritual life, my heart with God. And so you may look at me and you may say to me, okay, so what does that look like and what does that mean? Living with God, living with that treasure, living with Jesus being that treasure. And I was just thinking, how do we do life generally? How do most of us do life? And I look at it it like... We often do it between two points, between the here, between the now, and between the where we want to go. It could be a goal. It could just be somewhere we're trying to head to. And then life happens in between, and we take steps in between. What do I mean by that? I'm gonna give you three simple examples, and you can probably think of your own in your own life. When my son Alec and Kennedy got engaged, I shared that earlier, they got engaged and they set a wedding date. And then lots of things had to happen in between, as they do. They had to buy a dress, send out invitations, um, you know, the, the registry, all these kind of things. Taste them, the meals and, and all those kind of things. So those things had to happen to get to that goal, which was the wedding. And they loved most of the things, but I'm sure some of those things just had to happen in order to get there. Some of you know I I love to run, and I've run countless marathons, ultra-marathons, and typically I'm here, and I'm setting a goal. I sign up for a race, and then things happen in between. The training happens. Often it's like four months. And let me say, often during those four months, there are days when I wake up, and I don't feel like running, or the weather's bad, or running just seems like a bad idea altogether. But hey, I'm signed up for this race. I'm signed up for this goal. And I've told someone probably about it, too. So I better get going, and I better get doing these things that it takes. Another example, my son, Jonas, he goes to Hope College. And he has a friend, Lucas, um, who's also at Hope. And Lucas wants to become a doctor like his dad. And so I know that Lucas, in order to become a doctor one day, he has to say no to a lot of things that his friends get to do. He has to work really hard. He has to study hard to get there. I think we all do this, and I actually think that's why so many of us struggle so much with the situation we're in. We just don't know where we're going with the virus. We don't know where it's going, otherwise the steps in between might be easier, but it's just hard and it's uncertain. But so how does this work when it comes to our spiritual life? How does this compare to us living with the treasure, with Jesus Christ? Can I be honest? I think for many of us, we just treat that part of our lives so differently to the way we treat every other part. It's like we have no plan. We have no purpose. We have no steps set out in between. So for me, what is my ultimate goal? Where am I heading with with my relationship with Christ? My goal, my destiny, my where I'm heading to is eternity with Christ in heaven or on a new earth. And if that sounds to you like wishful thinking, things we share with our kids, oh, no. The Bible is full of it. Jesus talked about it all the time. That is the hope of the gospel, that we get to spend eternity in heaven. That's what I'm banking on. That's what I'm counting on. That's what what the Bible is full of. This is a clear promise. So what are my steps in between? Is it like the guy with the, with the treasure? Do I sell everything so that I can buy that field and earn my way to heaven? No. I said that earlier when I explained just how I understood the gospel. It is a gift from God. That's why Jesus had to come, because we cannot buy our way into heaven. We cannot work our way into heaven. We cannot earn God's favor. God sent Jesus. In fact, he paid the price for us because we couldn't pay it. So, praise God, he's already done it. He's already taken care of it. So, what's the in-between until we get to heaven? It's all about relationship. It's all about knowing Jesus. Remember what we said at the beginning, made for more, made to love Christ passionately and know about his great love for me. We say that so often. Christianity is not religion. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. What does that mean, though? It means that I can really know him. It means that as I live with him, he's my everything. I want to know him. How can I know him? Can I know him through his word? So for me, that means I don't just read a quick five minute devotional somewhere. That is like the birds picking off the seed. I need to know the word of God. I want to be in the word of God. I'm hungry for the word of God. I want to know what God thinks. Prayer, it's not a checklist. I have to pray. No, I want to talk to my heavenly father. I want to talk to my treasure. I want to talk and he answers me. It's amazing. So it's a relationship with Christ and that can grow just as our relationships humanly grow as we get to know each other better. And you know, as Jesus is my treasure, as Jesus is my savior, he's also my Lord. The Holy Spirit leads me, I follow, and not the other way around. I think for many of us, though, it's the other way around. We are still in charge. We're still doing our own thing. We don't really know how God fits. It's more like, you come along, you bless what I'm doing, and we're somehow missing it. And I was thinking what that's like when, when, when there could be more, and yet we are not even aware of that. We're not even aware that our soil is not good. We're not even aware that there's more. What does that look like? And I was just thinking of these last few weeks that all of us have gone through in, in different ways and yet similar ways. For me, the first 10 days were the hardest. The first 10 days of homeschooling, working at home, going out with masks, not going out for the kids anymore, and and, and all the changes that happened, it was hard. And then I used a phrase, and I've used it many times, and so have many others, we're kind of adjusting, kind of getting used to it. Maybe that's the human nature. And some of that is good. But I was just reminded, we have um, a young couple that are on staff here at Central Wesleyan Church, Jessica and Tyler Behrens, And they have a little boy called Aiden. And about five or six weeks ago, they had little Abby was also added to their family. And little Abby, as you can see on the picture, she is gorgeous. She was born since the shelter at home happened. And so that's all that Abby knows is the reality that we've been in in the last two months. And so I was just thinking to myself, What if this continued? Let's say for another five years, we would just stay at home, we would work at home. This normal now would be the normal for the next five years. What would that mean for little Abby? That's all that she knows. That's her experience of life. So when she thinks of her parents working, they work at home, they have Zoom meetings all day long. When she thinks of her parents going for a date, They get takeout food. They probably sit in the car at the beach or whatever people do for dates these days. When she thinks of her grandparents, and there's a picture on the screen that you see how the grandparent is on the other side of the window. That's her experience of grandparents. She doesn't know what they feel like. She doesn't know what they smell like. It would still be okay. I'm sure she would do fine. But it's not the real thing. It's not play dates. A lot of things are on screen. A lot of things are just how she imagines life to be. And don't you just want to look at her and say, hey, Abby, this is not how life is supposed to be. There is more to life. You're missing it. There are real relationships, not just Zoom relationships. You can touch people. You can know them. You can spend time with them in person. You can go on vacation. You can go to restaurants. There's so much more that you don't even know. And you know, I wonder sometimes if God wants to do the same thing to you and me, that he wants to just take us and just say, there's more and you're missing it. There's more to life with me, more than you ever imagined. It is so good. I want to give it to you. I want to bless you with it. I want you to know me, like intimately, like you never thought even possible. It's not a a checklist of I have to pray, I have to read, I have to do this No, you get to do this. This is life. This is real life. This is abundant life, as the Bible calls it. And you had the awesome privilege at the beginning to hear from my friend Sherry. Sherry and Bob are missionaries in the Ukraine. You heard that. They gave up everything in the States to follow God's calling to be missionaries in Kiev. They served God faithfully. They were blessed with a beautiful marriage. They were the sparkle in each other's eyes, as she so beautifully said. And then Bob died. Sherry is one of my good friends, and I know she's gone through so much grief in these years after losing him. She has suffered. She has just grieved the loss. And yet Sherry says that she never even knew the relationship with God could be as sweet as it is now. She never knew that he could be like this. She didn't think she was lacking anything. She was serving God. And yet she's gotten to know him so much better. He is now the sparker for her. And I hope you ever get to see Sherry around at Central or in the community. And I want to encourage you, if you meet her, ask her. Ask her about how God has shown up in her life. There's countless stories of how he's just been so precious and such a treasure in her life that she never even knew in all the years of serving him that this could be real. This could be precious relationship. You know what is true for Sherry? Can be true for you and me. There is more. There's more than you ever even imagined. There's real life. There's real relationship. Jesus is the treasure. When we have the treasure, we have joy. We have peace. Peace that cannot be shaken by a world that's shaken peace that's real. I've shared at the beginning that for me, even coming to faith started with brokenness, started with pain. For Sherry to come to where she is now in her relationship with Christ, also, pain was needed. Many of us have gone through this last, these last few weeks and months as just going and walking through a painful season. Things are different. Life is different. Life is a lot simpler for a lot of people. Things that we thought we couldn't live without, we now have to live without. There's no more sports, there's no more going out. For many of us, there's no more work. And thank you for all the essential workers who've just worked so tirelessly to keep us safe and to provide for us. But for, for many of us, this has really stripped us of a lot of the things that life has been all about for us. And maybe it's made you just hungry for more. Maybe it's made you realize your own mortality. We started off just talking about that. And what if in this season that this world is facing, God wants to be found by you as the true treasure and the priceless pearl? What if this is a priceless opportunity for him to really know him, know real life in him, And maybe you've listened to me and the parable of the sower really hit you hard. Just realizing that, yes, this is a possibility for all of us that we think we have really good soil and yet maybe we didn't. But rather than beat yourself up with that, I hope that that creates in you just a desire for more. And God wants to offer us more. God wants to take our faces and say, I have more for you. I have so much more for you, and this is an opportunity. Don't let it, don't let it go by. Be like the guy that found the treasure. Take courage, take action, do something about it." And right at the beginning, you saw the beautiful picture of my son Alec's wedding, uh, Alec and Kennedy. And I remember well, the weekend that he was going to propose to her. We all knew it was coming. He loved her, he wanted to spend the rest of his life with her. So he asked her to marry him. But you know what, she could have said no. Praise God, she didn't. But in the same way, I feel God is saying to you, I love you, I've proven my love to you, I've sent my son, my son died for you, that's how much I love you. Remember that scripture for God so loved the world that he gave his only son for you, for me, so that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. And not just eternal love, but abundant life, has the treasure. And so God is asking you, do you want to say yes to me? That is on us, though, to make that response. Just like the guy who found the treasure, we have to say yes, we have to take that action, we have to take that step. And so, right at the end of this message, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that. I was glad that somebody offered that to me when I first heard about the treasure, because I had no idea what to do with that stirring inside, and with that, yes, I want it, but how do I get it? There's a scripture that I love in Romans 10:13 that says, "'Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.'" So it's saying yes to Jesus Christ. He is the treasure. He is the pearl. He is the one that can forgive us. He is the one that can restore us back to relationship with God. And that is not just a relationship. That is the relationship. That is abundant life. That is full life. That is eternal life. And so I just want to offer and just just pray with you. There's no magic in the words. It's really about your own heart. And God knows your heart. So I want to invite you to pray with me. You can pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. Um, And this would be the best Mother's Day gift that you can give to yourself. So would you please pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are the treasure. I come to you. I come to you and I want you to be my treasure. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. I believe that you lived a sinless life, that you died on the cross for me. What a miracle. Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner, that I cannot save myself. I cannot be in relationship with God without you. Would you please forgive me of my sins? Would you please come into my life? be my saviour, be also my Lord. I want to follow you. I want to live a life that is pleasing to the Father. I want to have abundant life that you promise us. I want to experience the fullness of life with you. So I turn to you by faith. I thank you for, that, for your death on the cross, and I accept that gift of salvation, of forgiveness, and of eternal life through you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that I'm precious in your sight. Thank you that I was worth you dying for. And I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And Father God, I just, I thank you so much for every person that has turned to you, has turned to Jesus as the treasure, for every person who has had the courage to take action and to turn to you. FATHER, YOUR WORD SAYS THAT THERE IS CELEBRATION IN HEAVEN OVER ONE PERSON WHO'S TURNED TO JESUS, AND, and WE JOIN IN WITH CELEBRATING IN THAT CELEBRATION. HEAVENLY FATHER, I DO WANT TO PRAY to, FOR EVERY PERSON WHO MAYBE LISTENED TO THESE PARABLES, LISTENED JUST TO THIS MESSAGE, AND, and MAYBE RECOGNIZE IN THEIR OWN HEART THAT MAYBE THEY'VE MISSED IT, MAYBE they've missed that there was more for them. Maybe they thought that their soul was perfectly good when really it wasn't, when really they've missed out on the abundance that you want to give, on the relationship that is so dear and so rich. And Father, I would just pray that through the Holy Spirit they would just know how much you long to be in relationship with them and that they can just come to you and they can just open their hearts to you. So Father, I pray that you would Do a work within each and every heart that that wants to know you. Father, we thank you again for your goodness, for your mercy. We thank you that we can find the treasure through Jesus Christ, that we can have abundant, eternal life through you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.